Hello, I'm Blair Lemke. Welcome to Let God Speak. Too often, human leadership fails and lets us down. God, as the supreme leader of the universe, however, never fails. He invites us to learn lessons of leadership from Him and sends us out into the world to lead others to Him. Our Bible study today will reveal this. On our panel today, we have David Curry and Gail Fong. Thank you for joining us. As always, we'll begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to study your word today. We ask that your Holy Spirit would be with us to lead and to guide us into truth. Together today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, we've been starting, uh, just started a new series uh, looking at the book of Isaiah. And today we have an opportunity to study in detail the, uh, the chapter of Isaiah 6 uh, and look at some leadership lessons from Isaiah 6. Uh, and so uh, I want to read with us here, start straight off in Isaiah chapter 6, uh, verse 1, uh, as we begin our study together. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, we read, uh, in the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Gail, how does this chapter begin as we look at uh, Isaiah 6? How does it start off here? Well, Isaiah, he, he begins, he describes a vision that he has uh, in the year that King Isaiah, if I'm saying that correctly, died. <laughs> Yeah, so they're quite two quite similar names there, aren't they? Isaiah, Isaiah and King Uzziah. <laughs> uh, we'll try not to get f confused with that as we go through our program today. Uh, but uh, we see here that the, the vision starts off in the, the year of the death of King Uzziah. Who, uh, who was this character, King Uzziah, David? Yes, well, let me read a couple of verses from 2 Chronicles 26, beginning at verse 1. Now all the people of Judah took Hazziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king instead of his father Amaziah. He built Elith and restored it to Judah after king rested with his fathers. Hazziah was 16 years old when he became king, and he reigned for 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father Amaziah had done. So here is a king who reigned for 52 years and just fancy starting when he was just 16 years of age. That was King Uzziah. Yeah, quite an interesting uh, story as the rest of the chapter here brings out. Uh, but I want to ask the question, Gail, uh, the, the rest of the chapter goes on and, and tells us how King Uzziah died. Uh, how did that happen? Well, if we read on in chapter 26 of Second Chronicles and reading verse 16 to 21, 
It says, but when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. So Azariah the priest went in after him, and with him were 80 priests of the Lord, valiant men. And they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests and the sons of Aaron who are consecrated to burn incense. Get out of the sanctuary, for you have trespassed. You shall have no more honour from the Lord God. Then Uzziah became furious, and he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And while he was angry with the priests, leprosy broke out on his forehead before the priests in the house of the Lord beside the incense altar. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him, and there on his forehead he was leprous. So they thrust him out of that place. Indeed, he also hurried to get out because the Lord had struck him. King Uzziah was a leper until the day of his death. He dwelt in an isolated house because he was a leper. He was cut off from the house of the Lord. Then Jotham, his son, was over the king's house and judging people of the land. So, yeah, so it's it's quite a sad ending there. And although... Isaiah, his reign was long and prosperous. Uh, sadly, it's recorded that he had a serious failure in leadership toward the latter end of his life and going in and um, attempting to offer incense to the Lord, which was strictly only for the descendants of Aaron mm. uh, to perform. Uh, and when he failed to accept their advice, of course, and their pleadings uh, and their reproof, God intervened with divine judgment of leprosy. Yeah, it's quite a it's quite a remarkable story, isn't it? Mm. Uh, and you know, after many years of positive leadership, uh, something kind of obviously went wrong here for yes. King Isaiah, and uh, ended up ending in a way that w- kind of didn't reflect the rest of his time of leadership. Uh, I want to ask you, David, what was it that led to this? After many years of positive leadership. Uh, led to this failure of of leadership. I'd like to take another verse that uh, Gail read. It's verse 16. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. It reminds me very much of Satan way back in heaven. His heart was lifted up and uh, that was his downfall. And this was exactly the downfall of this king. He had been a good king till this time, but he had so many riches and so much going for him that he forgot about God. Mm. And, you know, this trap of uh, falling into a position of pride, you know, starting to think that we can do things on our own without God's providence and without relying on him. Exactly. Uh, th- this is a trap that is not unique to, you pointed out Lucifer, it's first started with Lucifer, but then King Isaiah experienced it too. Uh, but we, we're all in danger of falling into this sort of a trap. Yes. Um, and I want to ask you, Gail, uh, as Christians, how can we avoid falling into this similar trap? As we look at King Isaiah, we don't want to do what he's done um, and have a successful leadership and then crash right there at the end. Uh, how, what can we do? How, how can dwelling on Christ p- perhaps protect us from falling in this same trap? Yes, well, 
As um, Paul writes in Philippians um, chapter 2 and verse 5 through to 8, uh, Paul writes that, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. Um, in verse 8, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Mm. There's such a difference here between, sadly, King Uzza and Jesus Christ, who's the King of glory. We see Jesus in his life here on the cross and in his life. He exemplified for us what true love is, mm. self-sacrificing love, what true leadership is. He was humble. He was um, so, uh, others-centered, not self-centered like King Uzza. And, and Jesus was a man of faith mm. as he took on humanity. And there's a fine line between faith and presumption. And I believe that's where King Uzza, <clears throat> in his pride and arrogance, he overstepped that mark mm. and presumed, which is a dangerous place to yeah, be. Yeah, it's quite a, quite a significant contrast, isn't it, between mm. the characters there of Christ uh, hum taking humility, lowering himself, and then Christ, ra he was raised up, uh, yes. as opposed to raising self up and then being lowered, yes. uh, which we see as, as David brought out in that contrast with Satan and, and in King Isaiah's experience as well. Um, as we look at King Isaiah and we study these uh, lessons of leadership, uh, what are some lessons that we can learn uh, from King Isaiah's experience? And I want to throw this out to both uh, David and you, Gail. Oh, look. Let me take you back to verse 5 of chapter 26 of Second Chronicles. He sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding and the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. Mm. You know, this is the truth even today. We will prosper when God is with us. When we let God go, he has to let us go, unfortunately. Well, what an important lesson. You know, as long as we stick our eyes on Jesus uh, and on God, then we'll prosper. That's exactly it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, thinking in First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12, because uh, King Isaiah was, Isaiah was very young when he began his uh, service there as king. Uh, in this verse 12 of chapter 4, it says, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Mm. So at the tender age of 16, as he began to rule, and as um, David has said there, uh, so long as we're being guided by God, so long as we're being obedient to God and seeking the Lord, God can bless. Mm. Amen. Mm. Wow, that's, that's a great lesson. And, and it's true, as you point out there, young people can do great things for God. Uh, mm. you know, often we can fall into the trap of thinking that it's just you know, experienced or elderly that can uh, contribute significantly to God's cause. But uh, we see in God's word that he empowers young people as well. That's uh, exactly right. So that's that's a great uh, lesson to look at. I want to take us back to Isaiah 6. Let's turn back to Isaiah 6 and continue reading through this chapter together. Uh, Isaiah chapter 6 verses 1 through to 4 we'll read together here. Uh, in, the king, in the year that King Isaiah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. 
Above it stood seraphim, each one having six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. What is going on here uh, as we read through Isaiah chapter 6 here? What's going on here, Gail? Well, Isaiah is taken in vision, but as he's taken in vision, he's taken to an amazing place. He's taken inside the sanctuary or the dwelling place of God, right to the very throne room of God. And he sees the blazing glory of God as he's there sitting on his throne. He hears the exclamation of the seraphim, um, as, as you read there, and they are expressing uh, words of of holiness to God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. Wow. Um, God is in his presence. The, the atmosphere is of praise. And this is perfect holiness and praise to our God who is mm. so pure. And um, it's quite a remarkable awesome. scene, isn't it? Uh, it, of this, it is. Of this vision taking place here. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that jumped out to me from this passage as we were reading was right there in verse one, uh, where it describes uh, God as sitting on his throne in this vision. Uh, and I wanted to ask you, David, uh, why would God make an appearance to Isaiah here on his throne uh, as opposed to anywhere else? Well, there was a real crisis at this time with Isaiah dying and that leadership gone. There was a real gap in leadership. And at that time, Tiglath-Pileser from Assyria had come and become a superpower. And he was coming up against all nations around and particularly Israel at this particular time. And uh, it was basically what we might say an invincible superpower mm. coming onto the scene. And obviously Isaiah would be a bit worried about this, mm. but God showed him that he was the greatest superpower. <laughs> he didn't have to worry about Tiglath-Pileser and the Assyrians. <laughs> he was the great one. God and was they, sitting on his throne. <laughs> and he encouraged him by showing him that he was a prophet to guide the people at this time when they needed some kind of leadership. And uh, despite outward events, God was going to protect his people. Wow. You know, I'm sure that that would have encouraged Isaiah and Absolutely. gave him a sense that God was in control despite Absolutely. external circumstances. Absolutely. Um, and I think, you know, as we look at uh, other similarly, many other prophets as well, um, you know, Ezekiel, Daniel, John and others uh, received visions while they were in exile or in unfavorable circumstances. Right. And these visions certainly would have been an encouragement to them yes, uh, in their true. times to be faithful, even in the midst of uncertainty or challenging circumstances. Uh, yes, so quite, and, yeah. And for them to recognize that God was on his throne, this was very significant and important. And all those uh, other prophets that you mentioned. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been quite encouraging. Um, I, want to, I want us to notice here how Isaiah responds uh, to this scene. It's quite interesting. Uh, we'll read here Isaiah chapter 6, a few verses on, verses 5 through to 7, uh, and we'll see what Isaiah's response here is. Uh, so I said, woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips and dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. 
For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having his hand in his hand, a live coal, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. Uh, Gail, what was Isaiah's response here to this scene that he had just seen? Yeah, well, as Isaiah cries out, he's crying out with acknowledgement of his sin and the sins of his people. And as he begins with that word woe, the chapter before has so many woes in it because of their sins and the judgments um, that they would receive. And here he's he sees God's holiness, his holy character, and he realizes that if he's left to his own imperfections and complacency, um, and inefficiency, mm-hmm. he, he would not be able to accomplish the mission uh, that God has f- for him in, in his calling. You know, one of the things that was really interesting to me from this passage here is that that seraph took a live coal uh, and, and placed it right there onto Isaiah's lips. Um, and David, I wanted to ask you, what is the significance of this? Why did this, the angel do this in that way? Yes, I like the verse that you already read. Behold, this has touched your lips your iniquity is taken away and your sin purged. If you're going to come before God, then you want to come with a pure heart and a pure mind. And this is what was happening to Isaiah at this time. And, you know, as this whole idea of coming before God being, um, you know, God purified Isaiah so that he could come before God. uh, Is this Is this something that is still important for us today as we come before God and as we expect Jesus' soon return? Um, Is this something that is still important today? Yes, you know, there's a beautiful verse here at the end of the the Old Testament in Malachi, the third chapter. And uh, here, whenever I read these verses, it reminds me of the great Oratorio Messiah, which also uses uh, these verses And behold, I send my messenger and he'll prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, saith the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and like launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasant to the Lord, as in the days of old, as in former years. And so those who have been through the refiner's fire are able to come before their God. Mm. Yeah, this, um, you know, those who will be able to stand before God and his throne are those who have gone through that experience of being refined in their characters. Um, Much like Isaiah was uh, purified there with that coal on his lips. So, yeah, really uh, powerful insight from God's word here. I want us to read on in verse eight here and see uh, how Isaiah responds to being purified uh, at this time. So Isaiah chapter six, verse eight, we read, "Uh, also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. What is Isaiah's response here to being, after being purified, Gail? Well, he steps forward. He steps forward to volunteer where he says, here I am, send me. So he accepts the call as a prophet and 
uh, he ex it's just a natural response from the glory of God that he has seen. And um, he, um, yes, he's very comforted mm. and encouraged by what mm. he's experiencing. You know, he's really in, in a significant way here, receiving the, uh, the call to be a prophet for God and to go and where God sends him. Quite a significant uh, response there to, to God's mission that he has on his, on, that God has extended to Isaiah. Um, I want to ask the question to you, David. We've got this significant event here taking place where God's calling Isaiah to be a prophet and Isaiah says, I'll go, send me. What about Isaiah chapters one to five? <laughs> Yes, uh, this is a little bit different from the other prophetic calls because most of them start at the very beginning. But here God is trying to show Isaiah the conditions, not only of Israel, but of some of the nations round about. And he spends those five chapters talking about that. And then he says, now Isaiah, I want you to come and be a prophet at this particular time when you can see all these things happening. Poor Isaiah it must have been very difficult just at that time to see all these problems. And then God says, you want, you've got to be a prophet at this particular time. And so God, as we might say, jumpstarts the ministry mm. so that this man can see what he's got to face. And yet he faces it willingly in the end, doesn't he? Mm. You know, it's really interesting to me. You make that point that God jumpstarted his ministry in this temple vision here. He had already been doing the ministry, but God gave him an extra call here. Um, and it's interesting to me that that encouragement took place in the temple. That's right. Um, now, is there evidence, Gail, elsewhere in Scripture that God uses the temple to encourage his people? There is actually um, a verse is seven, uh, Psalm chapter 73 and verses 1 to 3 and also verse 17. Uh, and this psalm here, it says, Truly God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And then verse 17, um, the Psalm of Asaph reads, until I went into the sanctuary of mm. God, then I understood the end. And I just thought that's very powerful. So the psalmist was discouraged, but by seeing the wicked prosper, etc. Mm. But as he goes into, as he spends time in the presence of God, as he's drawn into the sanctuary, he sees the bigger mm. perspective. And I think that is for us too. That's, that, that's very powerful that God does use the sanctuary to encourage that's his people. Good. And I agree with what you said there right at the end there, that that's for us too. Um, can we find encouragement in the sanctuary today as well, David? Yes, um, I love Hebrews 4 verses 6, 14 on. And it says, seeing then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. What a wonderful thing that there in the sanctuary above, mm. we have Jesus pleading for us. And it goes on to say, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses because he was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. And then he encourages us, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace mm. that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Isn't that wonderful that we can come boldly? Mm. And, and come boldly in a time of need. That's in, a, in, a, in a time where we need grace, mercy, encouragement, God will use his sanctuary uh, to encourage us in our discouragement. That's powerful. 
And it's interesting because that golden censer, that incense was to be burning continually because Christ's intercession, he's always there interceding for us. So it is That's wonderful. powerful. Um, so much to learn in the sanctuary. Yeah, uh, we do need to just wrap this chapter up here in Isaiah chapter 6. So let's read through to the end of the chapter here and make um, just a couple of comments here and we'll see um, how Isaiah here responds or the rest of the chapter goes out. Uh, so verse 9 we read, And he said, Go and tell this people, this is God speaking, Keep on hearing but do not understand. Keep on seeing but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and shut their eyes lest they see with their ears and hear with, see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and return and be healed. Then I said, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities are laid waste and without inhabitant, the houses are without a man, uh, the land is utterly desolate. The Lord has removed men from far away and forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. Uh, but, but yet a tenth will be in it and will return and be for consuming as a terebinth tree or as an oak whose stump remains when it is cut down. So the holy seed shall be its stump. This is quite a interesting uh, a commission here that God gives Isaiah to go and say. Um, and it seems uh, quite a, a strange, strange message to take to the people. Did God really want his people to perish as it seems to be in this passage, Gail? No, definitely not. Um, as it says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, uh, but that all should come to repentance. So God wants all to be saved. And this explains why he sent Isaiah Mm. to Judah Mm. and why he sent Jesus to the world. Mm. And um, the reality is that some people will respond uh, positively to the appeals and other people will will not. Mm. Um, But the firmer the resistance, God doesn't give up Mm. because God is so merciful and patient. So he continues and gives more opportunities to repent, but it's up to the heart. And so we we really see uh, God here describing a condition of the response of the hearers to the message. Some receive, some reject, some harden their hearts and don't uh, move forward in what God would wish for them. Uh, David, if if someone hardens their heart, is it still important as a as a Christian, as a minister, as Isaiah is here to take a message to someone who may be hardening their heart? Yes, I like what Ezekiel says in chapter two and verse five. He says, whether they hear or refuse, they'll know that there's a prophet among them. And it's important for us to give a message. They may not accept it. That's not our problem. Our problem is to give the message Mm. and let God know that we're willing to do that. You know, uh, today as well, we can fall into this trap of hardening our hearts and, um, you know, resisting the Holy Spirit. Uh, What's the way of escape from this, Gail? Well, the Bible says in the book of James 4, verse 7, uh, therefore submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Uh, So God will provide a way of escape. God is faithful and we can trust him. And he's a source of our security as Christians. And God permits um, temptations, Mm. but we can meet them in God's strength, never our own. So after accepting this prophetic call to ministry, Isaiah became a powerful spiritual leader um, after this chapter and we're going to continue to study in our series. Um, What's the take home principle or or lesson of spiritual leadership here, David? Well, I think number one, be humble before God. 
be willing to be purified by him and be willing to go where he says. As Isaiah said, here am I, send me. That's some powerful lessons. And I thank you for joining us today. Isaiah was given a grand vision of the supreme leader of the universe. Petrified by inadequacy, but purified and empowered by mercy, Isaiah was ready to go forth as God's ambassador into a hostile world. Will you also be God's ambassador today? We're glad that you joined us today and we hope this program was a blessing to you. You can watch it again or any of our previous programs on our website, 3abnaustralia.org.au. You can also download teacher notes there. You can email us at lgs at 3abnaustralia.org. Thank you for joining us. Please do join us again. God bless. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.